Hello everyone, I'm Joanna Lercão. Hi everyone, I'm Shannon Castor. So Shannon, what can you tell us about your time in Berlin? Well, I'm in Leipzig, but it's been very good. I went to a studio opening last Saturday. So there's, I think there's more than two artists. There's like, it's called How 14, so I'm assuming there's like 14 studios. It's in like an okay. old cotton, yeah, it's in an old cotton mill warehouse or factory. And it's, the building's fascinating. It's climate controlled, but nothing's like super renovated. So you really see like the history of the the inside of the place. There's no like drywall covering up anything. Like you really see the age of, of the architecture and like what it's been through. So I kind of, kind of got swept away more in the architecture than the art, but the art was really good too. So it was like this really cool like courtyard and there was like bread and ice cream and beer being served and people just like walk around and there's like these little offshoots of galleries. So there's like eight galleries there and I was like totally captivated by an artist called Ulrike Dusner, I think her name is. And she just like took my breath away. And that doesn't happen for me like often. So I was just, yeah, I got a lot out of it. I felt very fulfilled for going. So, so the, how are the, you doing? The place, <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. The place must be just no, gigantic. If, if he's, if he's yeah. 14 artists, studios, so plus <laughs> galleries and the courtyard. Yeah, it's like enormous i was tired like because i had to walk there because the, the tram doesn't really go there directly so you weren't really saving much distance by taking the tram but i liked walking because like i got to see all the people coming out of the woodwork dressed all artsy and fun and it was cool to see because like i don't really have a community here right now because i'm like you know i just got here not that long ago so it was cool to see people so excited about the arts and and supporting the arts because I don't see that in a lot of places so that was really exciting to me. And you, were you able to, to find a connection because you don't have that connection right now? Did you find it in? Did you find any artists <laughs> that you talked with? I, there was like a couple of people speaking English on the corner and I was just like hi I speak <laughs> English too. <laughs> I was too nervous obviously. But it was, I don't know, there's a new resident coming today. She just got here. So hopefully we can, like, do stuff together and have, we can, like, leverage each other's confidence to, like, go out and do stuff. Because, like, right now I, like, still struggle ordering bread. I'm just, like, always terrified and of saying the wrong thing. And I read really well the language I just don't have the pronunciation and I don't have the ear for it like I really can't hear it so it's it's normal stuff but it is it is hard so just being in a foreign country and uh, wish doesn't well it's main language is not English can can be an issue in the beginning but mm -hmm. I hope that with this new artist you are able to connect because when you have more English speakers it's easier mm -hmm. than just an English speaker just approaching someone that speaks German it might be easier for you mm -hmm. to connect with other artists yeah absolutely and I noticed like the more you go into Leipzig there's like a little bit more English speaking because I'm like like about two miles outside of Leipzig so 
towards the city center, they're a little more bilingual, which I think makes sense. Yeah. So how have you been doing? What, what have you been up to? Quite well. I've been preparing so for the, the, the seasons or the third season of the podcast. And also this should be already released at the time this one is released. But a new YouTube channel where you're going to have a platform called Green Plus Just, where I have interviews with collectives, galleries, and stuff like this. So it's, wow. it is something for me, for the artists, so they can understand how collectives work and how can they can connect with these collectives and galleries. And I hope it, I'm really excited about this. The people I've interviewed so far, they are quite amazing and the conversations are quite interesting. So I assume that the listeners, when I listen to this, I should be able to have four already on the platform so if they want to give me any advice or comments i'm totally open to that in terms in terms of my art practice i've been creating this new work it's not a new work in terms that it's not an it's a revisit work because it's a work that i started but wasn't happy with the, the end result so i just thought i really like this work i like the concept and how it is the image that I have of it on my head. So I just bought a new a new canvas. I'm trying to now start to work on wood, it, like repurpose wood, because you have a lot of construction mm -hmm. sites here. So you have a lot of repur mm. repur repurpose wood. I'm really ha mm -hmm. uh, interested in on that. But this uh, specific, it's canvas. So it's going to be a collection of canvases, all black. And then it has the gold written, the uh, value of human life. So I started again and with a new ink, it's more gold and it's not because I, I was using uh, Chinese ink, which is very beautiful, mm -hmm. but it didn't have the strength that I wanted. So I just went mm -hmm. to the, the art shop and <laughs> and f found the ink and the strengthener and something for the last coat. And I hope it, it works. I've been experimenting with it right now. The ink is not working as I wished, as always. So... I'm just trying to find a way because I thought the thickener would be a good way in because sometimes with when you're working with stamps, what happens is that the letters can be dissolved or merged a bit if it's too liquid. Yeah. So I wanted yeah. the thickener mm -hmm. for that. But the thickener, you, you have to be very careful. Otherwise, the sponge doesn't absorb the liquid and it's really really confusing so i'm just try trying now with the ink because the ink is very very beautiful and i think it's going to be very strong mm. so i'm just hoping and experimenting with all of that to see how it goes because it's going to be as always again my works are very <laughs> laborious it's going to take me a long time and a lot of patience so i'm going to try to get this first part correct so i'm happy with the final result and I don't want to start again because I didn't like it. Yeah, it sounds like you're testing materials so that you can move forward with more confidence and not have to think yeah. about the materials and think more about the concept when you're ready. And so what is that YouTube channel called or project called again? So the YouTube channel is it's inside of an eco artist, so it's connected with mm -hmm. the the project itself. The first series mm -hmm. of projects that I'm putting in is Green Plus Just, so it's the name of okay, of, got of it. it. Yeah, that's a good name. I like that. So it's Green Plus Just. Is that right? Yeah. So the collectives are both environmental conscious, and the collectives I've interviewed so far, and also social aware. So I wanted to give a name mm -hmm. to approach 
all of it and political art also so I could have a more diverse range of interviews. Yeah, I think that name's great because it's it's very concise but encapsulates a really broad swath of topics. Also, I'm curious, are you enjoying the editing of visuals because I know you're very good at the sound but now you have this challenge of visual <laughs> you just keep making you keep piling it up for yourself <laughs> yes <laughs> I know <laughs> I think in terms of editing the video what I've been doing is be really specific when I'm recording so because it's more of an in interview format so I just ask questions and they give me the answer so there is not a lot of things that I would cut but I'm trying to be uh, careful with the cuts of ums and ums and stuff like this. It has been a challenge so far because you have to be very careful and very precise. But I think I've been narrowing down and sometimes I just leave it a bit more raw. So sometimes I right. say, okay, it's okay. There is a one. I think it's normal. Everyone does it. I only cut if it is a lot or I can see that on my side I said something that maybe it's not making a lot of sense. So I just cut it and stuff like this. But otherwise I try to leave it as raw as as possible in terms that it's good and people will hear it and be interested i'm excited that sounds cool can't wait <laughs> thank you <laughs> so shannon do you want to to introduce the artist for today yeah okay so i chose this artist this week her name's maya lynn um so she explores themes of memory nature meeting points spaces in the in-between bridges that gap opposites and she makes work that takes the viewer outside of themselves to pay attention to their external environment. With the, the unique background of architecture, Lynn can imagine large spaces and transform them successfully to engage public audiences. I was interested in her because of her ar architectural background and because I've been a little bit interested in public work and public work is always big like it's not like a corner of a gallery yeah. like it's gotta grab your attention so I just think she has such a great foundation for installation because architecture thinks of really big spaces and it thinks about structural soundness as well it's not just concept like it has to function so I really was excited about her for that and also um, how she thinks about the environment, I would say, in all of her works. Do you want to read the bio? You want me to read the bio? No, you can read the bio just to give a little of a formal introduction. Sure. Uh, Mylin is known for her large-scale environmental artworks, her architectural works, and her memorial designs. Her unique multidisciplinary career has resisted categories, boundaries, and borders. In her book, Boundaries, she writes, I see myself existing between boundaries, a place where opposites meet, science and art, art and architecture, east and west. My work originates from a simple desire to make people aware of their surroundings. Nature and the environment have long been central concerns for Lynn, who attended Yale University, where she earned a BA in 1981 and a master's of, and a master of architecture Lynn was thrust into the spotlight when, as a senior at Yale, she submitted the winning design in a national competition for the Vietnam Veterans Memorial to be built in Washington, D.C. She has gone on to a remarkable career in both art and architecture, 
while still being committed to memory works, the focus on some of the critical historical issues of our time. Lynn's art explores how we experience and relate to the landscape, setting up a systematic ordering of the land that is tied to history, memory, time, and language. Her interest in landscape has led to works influenced by topography, topographies, and geographic phenomena. And I was kind of curious about, I looked up geographic phenomena. So I, it says it's an item that can be named or described or an item that could be georeferenced or can be assigned a time at which is is or was present. So it's like a space that holds history is what I'm gathering. Yeah, you can see that on most of her works, especially the mm -hmm. memorial par parts. You can see that these mm -hmm. places with old memory. I think that's enough. Like That's quite a long bio. Yeah. It's pretty um, extensive. extensive. Yeah, she um, she has an extensive <laughs> curriculum and body of work, so I think that's that's quite natural uh, to have that extensive right. of a bio. Yeah. I just want to say something here. I think it's yeah already very impressive that she, at such a young age, shows as twenty one, she wants mm -hmm. such an important space to show her work. So the Memorial mm -hmm. of Vietnam's Veterans um, Memorial in Washington, D.C. And of course, I don't know, some some of the, the writings I read about the work say that maybe right now, because of the political instability, maybe this work wouldn't be accepted. But this work at the time also faced a lot of opposition, even though mm -hmm. that it, it went through greatly. And now it's one of uh, significant places in the, in the United States. And I think that is something that should be really sad because she was so young at the time. And if you look at the family history and the, the her father and mother, and I think her aunt also have a lot of connections with art and they are professors. And uh, I think her father is an artist. I'm not very sure. I don't want to be something, saying something here. But it really shows that maybe an environment that surrounded her just let her express her creativity and be able to achieve so much at such a young age and her body if you see her body of work since the beginning to the end the end of she's not end yet but till now it's quite amazing what she has done it is I think it's also good to point out that she probably was able to do this at a young age because she had so much support so like just for listeners thinking like oh I'm not young I like it's over already. I mean, it is. It is awesome that young people are so amazing. That is awesome. But I think it's just important to note that, like, it's just a number. Age is just a number, and you can achieve anything at any age. I don't know why it feels so important to say, but I just feel feel like it's important. No, it it is important because uh, sometimes people think that oh, I reached a, a stage on my life where. If I haven't been an, an important artist or I haven't exhibited in a significant gallery, I wouldn't be able to make it. But we have seen numerous times that that's not true and art takes a lot of time. And to find her, to find a precise style and a, a style that people identify with is, is a laborious act and it takes a lot of time. Yeah, but but one cool thing about starting young is you get to watch an artist go through so many phases 
And I think it's really cool to see how Maya has grown as an artist because now she's like 63, I think. Yeah, she's 63. So it's just cool to see like that breadth of work, you know, over all those years. Yeah, and the work I think is, is quite interesting. She calls it a tripod because she works in art, architecture and memorials, what she calls mm -hmm. me memory works. If you go to the website, it's, it's memory works, not memorials. But what mm -hmm. makes all of this connects is the connection with the natural environment and the awareness of deep history. Her work is very based mm -hmm. on research. And then there is a certain restraint. You see that she uses single materials that are rooted in a function logic while exuding beauty that is tinged by m melancholy. I think when you see her work, you feel that depth that is really grounded, I would say, about mm -hmm. her work when you look at it. And, and she has actually a quote that I, I took from one of her interviews that she says, it's like, stop thinking and just feel. It's almost like you absorb it through the skin. You absorb it, absorb it much more on a psychological level, and that is empathy. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a very private, one-on-one dialogue with the viewer. And I think this is something also very amazing about her work, because her work can be very big in terms of the expansion of the concept that she was working in, but she's able to connect on an individual level, as was, she was saying, you can feel that, that power and that emotion she wants to portray when you step in, let's say, let's step in into her works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's an immediacy with her work and she wants you to feel with your heart before your head, like, like the psychological, she mentioned psychological, but like, I think what I got from it is there's like an intellectual side you feel things with and then there's like a heart side. I think she's more interested in that heart response over the intellectual, even though it is very well thought out. Because um, I think many artists want that visceral response before the analytical response. So do you, do you mean in terms they the artists want that for the final result or when they are thinking uh, in the, the process stage, when I'm thinking about the concept, how the visual is going to look like? I guess I'm thinking about order of feelings. Like when you, like, so I went to this show last weekend and I didn't have an intellectual response till I thought about it after the visceral response. So I, like the visceral Meaning some people may feel goosebumps, some people might feel like emotional response, some people might cry, some people might get angry. So that's like the visceral side of things. I think most artists, and it's a generalization, but I think most artists want the visceral response before the analytical response because the feeling is what gets you into the work and then... Yeah. You can you can ruminate later about what you actually saw, so I think that's what she's after is what I'm gathering. Yeah, that's even true for us as artists. We are connected with art and we are surrounded with art. But what makes us go read the description of a work is when you look at it, if you have an emotion reaction to it, even though we are artists and we are interested in art and what artists are doing, if if the work doesn't 
give us anything and you have a room full of works, you're going to gravitate to the work that speaks to you. Yeah, absolutely. Also, one of the, just to go back to her work, I think that I found really interesting is that because her work, maybe because our generation makes everything political, but her work doesn't <laughs> supposedly have a political persona, even though it, mm -hmm. it does speak to social and ecological issues. She really wants to create more of a time scale beyond human memory. I, I found this use of words really interesting. So she urges the viewer to step back and marvel at the natural systems that operate across hundreds and hundreds of miles and years with one of her most recent works. And also you can see that she's really interested in the fragility and the utopian parts or the that she's able to create these atmospheres in her work. And, and you can see this, we're not talking about this work, but I think this work really uh, makes takes this to the point, a work called Nature Knows No Boundaries that is mapping the Korean rivers and it's made of thousands of tiny steel pins. So if you pull these pins, mm -hmm. the maps disappears. So I think when artists are talking or want to, to talk about social, political and environmental issues, we really struggle uh, with having a concept and transferring that to the visual aspect uh, of the, the piece what we are doing and she's really able to do this the material she uses really speak to the concept that she's trying to, to convey yeah i really liked that you included that part about nature knows no boundaries it just gave me so much it's like visual poetry like taking it's like plucking a star out of a constellation and then the sky falls away or something like that That's kind of what I thought when you said, when you described the, the tiny steel pins, like if you take one away, it, it like the map is changed or, or disappears. It just makes me think about taking and claiming things. And then when you just take a flag off the, the, a mountaintop or something, it's like nobody's. And I, it's kind of a lovely thought, I think. Yeah. Do you want to delve a bit further into one of her works? Sure. So I chose this work called Ghost Forest. I'll just read about it first. So Ghost Forest brings a towering stand of 49 Atlantic white cedar trees, victims of saltwater inundation due to climate change, to downtown Manhattan's Madison Square Park. It's a six-month installation. It says this majestic grove of cut trees will slowly turn grayer and more ghostly as the park's grand living trees go through all seasons, starting in winter and returning to winter by the end of the installation. I like this work because so I grew up going to pole vaulting lessons in the in the, the Pine Barren, so I, I actually know this landscape. And I also did an ultra marathon there. So it's this really amazing, it's like these like charred looking pine trees. They're kind of look like strokes of charcoal. Like they're like really dark, but that's actually because of a burn. I think it's like a burn site. So I don't think they're naturally charcoal, but they do have this sort of gnarly look to the bark and shape of them. And they're in sand. Like, so that was so fascinating to see this forest 
living in sand. I'm like, how do these trees survive? So the idea of this, so what happened is the, the water, I read a little bit about how ghost forests are forming, like why they are forming. And so it's basically ocean water rising over the bases of trees. And then it kind of, it's too much salt for the trees to survive. And it only takes three years for them to die off. So this collection of 49 trees she brought to Madison Square Park is not that old because it's only like three years these trees could possibly be to experience this before like falling over, I guess. And I liked it also because I think in the city, it's hard for people to think outside of the city. I don't want to like... I'm sure there's plenty of people that can think outside the city who live in the city, but I think generally you like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So if you don't witness climate issues outside of the bounds of your living situation, it's hard to keep it at the forefront of your mind. I think Maya is confronting people with things that are not that far away. New Jersey is like, you just take, a tunnel and you're you're in New York but there's this whole ecosystem of like what is it a million acres of these these cedar trees I think let me see I don't really know the exact amount of acres but there's a lot of acres of these trees <laughs> and also like to juxtapose them against living trees I think that's really um, a smart move on her part, like to show this contrast between this dead forest and these thriving trees that already live in Madison Square Park. I, I was really attracted to that concept or contrast. And I think one aspect also, it's being called the cemetery. Yeah. What do you think would be the intent of the artist to have that as a cemetery? It, it really speaks to the memorial aspect. And the way that she gives this kind of human aspect to the trees, let's say like this, maybe also an, an further aspect to the, this work, because when you humanize, this is something that the ecological artists are they, they're trying to stay away from, but it's true mm -hmm. that people connect with people. And the way that she has done this, as you said, having the trees, the living trees near the the trees that are dead, and it is a huge ecological cemetery, can be very dark. And I think a work mostly can be very, very dark. Uh, but the way mm -hmm. she does it is so sensitive. It's mm -hmm. so um, yeah. delicate. Yeah, there is a, like a gravity to her work, but I think there is, like you said, a sensitivity where she kind of finds a fragile line that is just dark enough for you to get changed by it, but not dark enough to be repelled by it, which is yeah. really hard to do. And I think she does that. And I don't know if it was her intention or if she's written about it being a cemetery plot, but that's just how I visualize it because they're like so equally spaced, each each of these trees, and they're like turning gray as as summer becomes life. and she's putting time in front of you going separate ways. And I was just like really interested in this compression and expansion of time that she's able to 
Like her public work isn't just standing as a statue that won't be affected. Like it's meant yeah. to to go along with the seasons. And I think that goes back to her like her interest in timeless themes instead of political themes there is like inherent political qualities to our work but it, it's a timeless theme of seasons is what i think it's about seasons of life seasons of extinction seasons of climate change like these all all these things reoccur and change and happen in their own forms as as time goes on yeah and i think that's a beautiful connection to the work the, uh, the last work we are presenting uh, of her. Uh, it started in 2009 and it's still ongoing. And why I chose this work, What is Missing, is because I think it's a question that a lot of artists work with this type of concepts, is how can I make more of a change rather than just doing artwork? I'm not saying that artwork is not important, it is, but also creating platforms or ways where our concepts and our ideologies can be spread and do good in a way, let's say like this. And I think a work that what is missing, she calls the fifth and last memorial. And it is a multifaceted faceted project that addresses the ongoing rapid loss of biodiversity. And this is a website that maps the eco ecological history of the planet. So discussing living things and ecosystems that once thrived and what has been done. And this is an important part, what has been done to restore the environment. And when I, let's just say when I walked in the website, the main website, first of all, it has an <laughs> amazing sound soundtrack that accompanies you as you go through the to the website. So I really advise people to go and see it. And you have all these areas, you have the, the planet Earth, and you have all these areas about, explore, solution, what if, and share your memory. That also, it, I think it's, it's lovely because you can share a memory of the ecosystems, the habitats, something that you, you felt you lost. And a memory I took from the memories of people shared it's about silence and mm. i'm not going to read all of of the this memory because it's personal but i think what he says silence is all but extinct there are few places one can go to experience silence and yet it offers so much it's a great teacher filled with insights when i returned home from my trip to my little slice of si silent heaven I wept, realizing that likely no one in that city would experience peace and quiet. The music was still tumbling. So basically, it was in a city <laughs> and it was always in cars and music and all of that. And why I brought this one here? Because people who are connected with the environment some way understand what silence means. And I'm not saying that when you are in nature and you experience this channel too, it's silence. like. Up, like no sound you do have sounds you have the wind you have birds you have cows in the distance dogs you have insects at night here quite a lot flies but it's a silent silence that is is a meditative silence that you cannot find in cities and it it enables you to think it's opens a gateway for you to mm -hmm. be on your own thoughts and 
I was thinking of this recently because anytime I bring someone here, this is the first thing they notice because they are from the cities is, wow, Joana, this is so much silence. And I think this is an important aspect also to consider when you are an environmental artist. If you want to work on on concepts like about the environment, you should be connected with it. Because there are things that you, when you are in the city and you have grown up in the city, if you are not connected with the environment some way, we're not, you're not going to be able to experience. Actually, when pe people experience the landscape, they understand why it's so important to protect it. Mm -hmm. And this is an, uh, also an important aspect, this silence to be able to be with yourself and your own thoughts. Yeah, I really liked that memory you included It's interesting because I've never experienced green spaces so good before coming to Leipzig. Like I've in the States, you drive to a trail or you're in the city. There's like green spaces. I'm saying in quotes, like it's like a quarter mile of green space. It's like it's okay. not it's not large enough to experience silence. But um, here there's so much trail you can after a mile and a half of city, you can go off for like seven miles of forest. So I think it's really exciting to imagine cities with more green spaces because it does sew together this possibility of silence that you wouldn't have been exposed to before the green spaces offer this like gateway into silence that you might not even consider thinking about. And I think this what is missing audio is really good at evoking is it's like this live history, like you're experiencing past silences in a very active, noisy place. It's just so intelligent. She's so good at compressing time. It's just such an interesting way to communicate with people because she's she's not focusing in past present or future she's putting them all in one experience yeah. and that's that's really amazing i think that's really effective and this project in itself it has so much because one of the things she says about the project is how can we protect something if we don't even know it's missing so the the project really gives you all the information about what's happening to ecosystems and environments around the world. And it gives you solutions. And I'm in the what if section that you can find. And she basically leaves these scenarios. I actually talked with an artist before about it. It has a name. Well, regenerative. What do you create this scenario is what if. So she's saying, what, what if we all lived at the population density of Manhattan? So what could people do to be able to, in a city, really use all the resources a city can give or it's able to give? And so the, she has all these maps so where you can envision a, a future where there is balance. And so a thing that she said is revitalize cities with sustainable adaptive re re reuse, embrace urban infield development, spread up, not out with vertical density. So she's not only telling us what is happening, like you're losing biodiversity, we have a lot of fossil fuel issues. No, she's able to, in this database, to give us also solutions to a problem so people can Okay, I understand all these negative aspects that's happening now, but 
I can see a future through a positive pathway to change. And I really advise people to go through the website. It's beautifully designed. I'm just looking at it. All the information is very concise and you can be re really a long time here because it has a lot of tabs and stuff, but it's really I cannot test this enough because it's beautifully designed. And this is an impo important aspect also when I, people are trying to convey information. If it, it's too much, it's too dense, and people are not able to understand or quickly understand what's happening there, you want to shut down and this site does it, does the opposite completely. It's, it's, just, it's just amazing. Yeah, it sounds like she's like part teacher. Like she knows how to disseminate information that is comprehensible you know so that's she's got so many talents <laughs> she's, I, I really respond to her work I think what my biggest takeaway is just her elasticizing of time I think that's such a cool vehicle to communicate yeah and I would, in terms of connecting her to the contemporary or the art world I would connect her to Olafur, Olafar Eliasson, the Ice Watch uh, project. Mm -hmm. I think it's not as subtle as she is, but in terms of contemporary artists, I really thought that they would be a match in terms of work. But I also think because of the trees, the work she does, Joseph Boys, I'm sure mm -hmm. you, you know his work. It's not, it's, it, I think he still fits in the contemporary frame. I think I think it mm -hmm. still does, but the work he do, he did with trees, planting the trees, uh, the oaks, the city forestation instead of city administration, I think it's, it's it, it is also a way where art can bridge the bounds of the gallery, and he shows this too. It can be an act, activism act in some way. In this case, he planted a lot a lot of trees, and. She's really an important art artist, a contemporary artist, and because she bridges so many different fields, and he was able to do this too. You are not able to to put them in a box, either mm -hmm. Joseph Boys or Mayelin. And as an artist, we all struggle with with sometimes having too many areas that we would like to develop. And seeing examples as Joseph Boys and my him and much more that we we talked here, uh, you are able to do that if you want to. If you want to bridge, as she was doing architectural art and memorials, you just have to to find a way and to do that. And studying the grades, it's a very good way to do that. I think like you don't want to be put in a box. You don't want to be put pigeonholed. So I think one of the ways about going about that is like just going for the concepts you're interested in maybe don't keep doing the same thing over and over like just tell the the people you're trying to communicate with that like I have more ideas than this like I I'm expansive I think in multitudes you know so for like artists listening just put out what you want to make and there will be some form of audience for it. And by doing that over and over, people will look at your resume and look and see like, oh, well, she did this or he did that, but like they also did this, you know? So it gives them confidence in your your ability to think expansively. So 
I think it, it does take a lot of confidence, I think, because like if you if you have one thing that's working, it's very easy to think, oh, I'll just keep doing that one thing. Yeah. But I think it's kind of a disservice to yourself if you're like, but I'm like so passionate about this other thing too, to repress that. I think it's not good for people. So I think you should just, I think people should just follow where their passions go, you know? And I and I think also as someone who evaluates a lot of artists' works on a daily basis, I think even though if I look at the portfolio of an artist and I see all of these different works, but I really, really connect with them, that's an important aspect for me. That's the most important aspect. Because if mm -hmm. if I see the work is authentic, it talks about their journey as an artist and an individual, their work is unique. I see sometimes with this this growth of work that is artworks that are on the activist side is that people sometimes say, I'm, I want to do work because it's trendy, not because I really connect with the concept. And I think the most, even though you have, you can have a portfolio that has a lot of different areas, the important aspect is it talks about you your individual perspective, your individual tastes, and it's your individuality. That's for me, is the most important aspect of art, even though it's different spectrums. Yeah, I do want to say, like you said, I think the important part is the authenticity, because if you're doing it for non-authentic reasons, it shows. And, yeah, exactly. and that's frankly not, it's frankly not good work when yeah. you're not doing it for a a good reason. So Maya is such a good example of this because we viewed all this work, but we still sense this, like, even if you're an artist that does different work, yourself is going to show a through line between yeah. all of it yeah, because yeah. it's you. And so like her through line is this delicate gravity. It's this sensitive weight that she has to all of her works. So even though they have all these different forms, that's the through line. So she shows you how to do all these d different works, but people can understand that it's still her. Your audience is smarter than you think most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And just to trust your audience and know that they, they're people with thinking brains and they can observe <laughs> and they can tell it's you, you know? So it, you might think it's two separate fields that you might be working on but most of the time there is a through line because it's you yeah i do agree with that i think uh, we should wrap it up we summarized and talked about their work quite well i know you have some questions you'd like to pose to the viewers yeah i've i was just curious like how people deal with loss and grief because it is a pretty prominent feeling in climate advocacy i think and social advocacy so just kind of curious how people absorb the information but also preserve their mental health and like do they take it in doses or like how do they absorb it and be active in the the conversation while also like holding on to their well-being so like maybe if people want to just comment and tell us how they deal with it I'd be, i'm just curious for me, like I, I like to look up things that need change, but also like what solutions have been done. And I think it's that really helps buoy me to like keep keep engaging. So, 
yeah, I, I'm I'm really into like science discoveries. I think that stuff is just so. And I just think the creativity of nature is just so optimistic to me. So that's how I help with my own self-care when trying to engage with heavier topics. So I'm just curious what other people do. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned their work here before, but the uh, Earthrise Studio, the London studio of creatives, they really do a good job with this in terms that they bring up stories of how to have another solution, but how can we embody this loss, this loss okay. but also look up solutions and ways to move forward. So they have a lot of these projects, a lot of interviews, and I think people who are working with these teams and the teams of loss to try to look also to creatives and people who are creating all these ways to come up with solutions, being scientists or, or, or artists. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great resource. So thank you guys for being to, for listening to us rambling about art. <laughs> As a final touch, Shannon, do you want to give the hashtag? I'm gonna leave it in the description. Just change the myelins, right? Yeah. So it's I hashtag I O A E A myelin, and then just post anything, any response you had to myelin's work on this episode or any of her other work. Yeah, and as always, just reach out to us. We always love to chat and comment on the podcast and things we can improve. Or artists you would like us to delve into. We always love to do a lot of research, so I really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Uh, and that's it. Thank you, guys, and see you next time. Bye.